Inomine Cinema e TV e Spiritus Streaming. Amen. Hello, Hollywood faithful. Welcome back to the confessional booth. We are your podcast priests. I'm Megan Dane. And I'm J.R. Zamorathal. And it's another big week for Hollywood. We're now on week three of the WGA writer's strike. There's been a ton of press and social media buzz, as well as a lot of solidarity, which has been so encouraging. People from all walks of life are really coming out to show their support. Yeah, like my mom came all the way out from Texas to join the picket line. Your mom joined the picket line? She did. It was actually really interesting because my family knows nothing about the entertainment industry. I come from a very long and prestigious line of postal workers. So (laughs) trying to explain to my 72-year-old Texan mother who is a retired postal (laughs) worker what Hollywood writers are upset about right now, it really helped me sort of crystallize the issues in my own mind. Oh, it's really cool. And, you know, please feel free to share because even for people who do work in this industry, like me, this shit is still really fucking complicated. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so first, I think of it like this. Change the word writers to workers. Then I change AMPTP to money people. So basically, the workers are fighting the money people to keep their jobs. Boom. Boom. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Especially how it highlights the fact that this isn't just a writer's fight. Yes, the writer's union is on strike, but the things they're fighting for affect all people across all departments. Like it or not, the entertainment industry is one big, amazing, sometimes dysfunctional family. Sometimes? Or always. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm cool with sometimes. And yeah, what affects one of us truly does affect all of us. And that's one reason why I really love today's confession. It's from a rigger who has spent decades rigging lights and cables for dozens of films and TV series. And holy crap, have they seen some shit. (laughs) It's called Practicing Safe Sets, which (laughs) never gets old. And (laughs) might be a little optimistic for this story, to be honest. Let's step into the confessional booth and find out. Forgive me, Father, for I've worked on multiple sets where someone could have been killed. Not sure I want to hear this one, to be honest. It ain't easy being a podcast priest. Tell us all about it. I've been working as a lighting technician since 2009, and I'm not one of those guys who came into it through nepotism. I know so many people who are like second or third generation. They have siblings and cousins all in the union. Some kind of have major issues because their parents spent decades working in the industry, never had any time for their kids, and then thrust their kids in when they were like in their 20s and said, I want to spend time with you now on set. Oh my God. It's like all those 20 years of neglecting you, it all led up to you working under me on the crew. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people in my department bring their sons and daughters to work. And yeah, some of them are awesome. Some of those kids have major, major issues. But me, I've worked other jobs before I got into film, so I have a base of comparison for what a weird industry this is. I was a physics major for a short time in After three weeks, I was burnt out from the high school and everything, so I dropped out. And I started playing around with the video camera, and I started to think, wow, you can do so much with film. So that inspired me to try and find some work in the film industry. It took forever, because in there's no connections to the film industry whatsoever. 
So it took me moving to for a while, getting involved with improv. Improv led to volunteering on films. And then I got into a program at college for a year, which ultimately led me to, to get involved with their industry. And then I heard about a lighting course. I took the lighting course for three months and then started to get the occasional union gig. I love how every time we ask somebody, how did you get into this? No matter what their job is, the answer is always like this long, random ass scavenger hunt. My favorite is still from episode one of this season, the confessor who became a director because his mom told him to write a letter to the head of the studios. <laughs> I mean, hey, whatever works. I got the idea in class. The teacher was talking about how busy it was and that they were running out of people. So I just called up the union and said, I know I'm not a member, but I hear you're really busy. I've been taking this course and I've been interested in this stuff for years. Can I come out and work? And they gave me the gig. Listeners, don't try this at home. Because it's literally never going to be that easy for anyone else ever again. <laughs> it was still one of the hardest days of work I ever had. It was a 15 and a half hour rigging day on a mountain. We kept leapfrogging with the shooting crew. We'd rig one set on a hill. Then they'd go to shoot on that hill. And we'd go over to a different hill to rig. So it was just all this leapfrogging on all these different ski slopes. And all the cam locks and all the cables got frozen at the end. They were almost impossible to disconnect. <sighs> And we had no cable truck up there. All the cables had come up on a gondola. So we were lugging around these 80 pound coils of cables on this mountain. Mm. And I was thinking, this is not the short films I volunteered on. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you persisted. Yep. The irony of being behind that shoot was this whole thing was shot in and it was supposed to be a set in Alaska. And I was like, how the heck are you going to do this in a place where the mountains are the only place to have snow? Guess you got your answer. If you can't get the snow to come to you, go to the snow. I've seen all kinds of crazy stuff done. Like for the show, they shot in the studios. They wanted to have like a winter village and they built it all in the studio with real dirt and fake snow. That was a lot of freaking dirt. Every day I go home, get undressed, and my whole body was just covered in dust. It went all the way through my clothes. It was pretty heinous work in that condition, but at least it was safe. People in this business are trying so hard to create magic. Sometimes they get so focused on that that they put people at risk. Like there was another time, I was probably a few years in, working on the lower tier union show. We were shooting right outside of a small town called Gorgeous. We were shooting up in the mountains after an ice storm, so everything was coated in ice. So our job is to get the gear in and get it up there so we can shoot. So here I am running through the ice to this frozen waterfall with like a downward flowing stream. Everything was being shot to the side of the stream, like on different levels. And we weren't using big lights. We were only using the smaller lights, but I'm running around just hoping I don't slip and go down into the water. Oh my God, that sounds really awesome and also really terrifying. A lot of things in were terrifying. Like on the show, we once had to rig a bunch of lights on like a 20 foot cliff that went straight over the top of the scene. The grip should have had guide wires. We should have had harnesses and something for protection if we slip, but there was nothing. And it was raining. Oh my God. We were on wet rock right at the edge, putting up these lights. And it's like, if I slip, I die. This isn't good. The thing is, safety depends on the show and who's running it. There are some shows where they're very safety conscious. And then there are other shows where they just don't care. I've known a lot of people who got injured. Most of the people I know who got serious injuries did so on independent stuff, non-union. The thing about union shoots 
Even when the conditions are unsafe, the crew is usually so experienced that they'll navigate it anyways. But on non-union shoots, a lot of times people don't have experience. They don't know what to look out for, and that compounds your safety problems. Like this one time, there's this location called which is your old power plant. It probably shouldn't have been used for shooting, but it looks amazing. You've seen it in a ton of movies. And I remember once I was up in a lift with another guy. It's always risky when two people are in a basket together because the person driving isn't always paying attention to his passenger. So there's one point when he's shifting the basket and he was safe, but I wasn't. I felt my body being pulled under toward a metal girder. And I literally had to duck and weave under the girder like it was my old karate training all over again. And he was none the wiser. If I didn't move, that girder would have slammed right into my neck. Good Lord. Thank God for your karate training. It's interesting what you said about how most of the injuries you've heard about happen on non-union sets, because we hear a lot about that, actually. I mean, what happens in the non-union world sometimes is insane. Even on union shoots, though, there's a lot of close calls. Like some of the stuff that happens is just ridiculous. I once almost dropped a tree on someone's head. (laughs) What? This was out in the woods again. These woods I wasn't familiar with. I don't think nobody was really familiar with. A stunt scene was going on. We had a whole bunch of smaller lights. I think they were 2K Fresnels. It was hilly, like rocky with terrain, with all these trees that were very straight. And I just leaned slightly against the tree and it started to fall. And there was a guy with a light right underneath it. I yelled out, tree! That's all I had enough time to say. He jumped to the side. The tree landed right between him and the light. Didn't hit him or the light, but wow. None of us knew the trees were dead. It looked perfectly alive. It's not like I tripped and fell into it or I was pushing against it. I just leaned my hand against it lightly and it started to fall. You said earlier that people are so focused on making magic that sometimes we put others at risk, but making movies and TV is just risky across the board. Yeah, but sometimes people's egos make it worse. Being a department head, for example, is a lot of responsibility for sometimes not a lot of extra pay. So there's a lot of different reasons why somebody will want to upgrade to be a department head. Some people just like it because, you know, they don't have to lift heavy stuff anymore. Some people like to be a part of the creative process, but some people are just in it for the ego boost. And when that happens, that's usually when a moderately risky business can get dangerous fast. The worst show I've ever worked on the only show I ever told the union never to give me a call back to was Yeah, was bad. There's a long list of people who refused to work on that show. It wasn't just the lighting department. There's problems in the grip department, construction. There's just toxic, abusive department heads. And the people above the line don't seem to care. I would almost swear the production manager enjoyed it. Because otherwise, why wouldn't you try and fix it? People kept complaining and they kept doing nothing. My boss, the gaffer, would come to set with his big emblem on his shirt. He looked completely innocent. He had, like, this baby face, non-threatening in any way possible. He was like a freaking demon. People kept warning me about him. I would take just day calls, working one or two or three days in a row, sometimes in a lift, sometimes on the ground. And it was a busy show. It was very ambitious. There was always a lot going on. And I remember one of his regular guys just drilling into me. Do as I say. I know I sound harsh, but I'm doing this to protect you. You don't want to anger the boss. And I'm thinking, shit, this the regular crew giving me these warnings? I heard all these different stories of mistreating so many different people. 
people saying, I'm never going to work on that show anymore. Then there was this one day. It was my last day working on the show and everything was fucking insane. We're shooting in all types of places on the studio lot, but mostly on the barn set. The whole barn interior and exterior was built in studio so you could shoot the actors having a chat in the barn from outside the barn. And a bunch of like lifts are set up with the lights and we're driving them around the stage. Usually you don't drive a lift around the stage while you're shooting. Usually the things are kind of rigged into the grid above the set or on like flies. But we were driving around in lifts and a whole bunch of special effects guys were running around on the floor with these giant fans. And for some reason, the generator operator was giving me the directions on where to go. That's usually not their job. That's the gaffer's job. It was very weird. So he was giving me all these instructions and I was being very conservative with how I was driving because people kept running by my wheels I didn't want to run over a special effects person. <laughs> Nobody was paying attention to anything. And I was paying more attention to them than anything else because I didn't want to kill someone. At one point, I lightly bumped my basket against the backdrop. It didn't hurt the backdrop, but the gaffer was up in the barn with the director of photography. He saw it and called over the radio. What the fuck? That backdrop is worth more than you are. Jesus. And I looked down and the director of photography was standing right beside him, perfectly fine with it. If I was on the floor, I would have punched the both of them. Like, this is crazy. I'm not trying to kill people, but I'm being told I'm worth less than a piece of fabric? After that, I called up the union and said, I'm done. Don't ever ask me to work for that show again. Wow, good for you. What did they say? They said, do you want to make a complaint? I said, yes. Yes, I do. It's the only time I ever made an official complaint against a gaffer. It didn't do anything. Once the show ended... He was working on other shows. That's so fucked up. What are official complaints supposed to do? In this case, they were all sent to the production manager, which I guess wasn't a good idea for this show. It's a weird thing. You almost have to go to the very top. I remember I was working on a show, and I overheard a production assistant talking about another gig where the first AD threw a radio at him, and he said he didn't bother going to the production manager. He found the number one studio executive and just called up the studio. The executive freaked out and blacklisted the first AD. Probably because they didn't want a lawsuit on their hands. Yeah, boss move. In most cases, a lot of people don't want to ruin their work and relationships. So they'll be given a complaint and they'll be like, well, I keep hiring this person and they keep getting the job done. So I don't want to fire them. The best thing you can do when you're in an unsafe environment is go to the producers. Even if you've already had confrontations with your boss, go to the producers. If something doesn't seem safe, tell people it doesn't seem safe. If you're in a troubling situation, go to the top. Don't give bad people a second chance. There's no typical day on a film set, but what makes it the best is working with people who understand that it's not life and death to make a movie, or it shouldn't be. Look for the people who listen to you. Like if you get on set and you have a suggestion, they might not agree, but if they listen to you, that's not that's a good thing. Like on some crews, everybody's just kind of listening to each other, kind of hashing things out. If you find a crew like that, even if it pays less, it's worth it. It's so great to hear from someone with all your experience that these kind of crews are out there. They're out there. You just got to find them. The entertainment industry is its own world. It's the Wild West, which is good and bad at the same time. There's some industries I've seen in the past, like through temp work, I've done this or that where they'll freak out over the littlest thing. It's ridiculous. So it's nice to have freedom where you can just do your job without all this red tape around you. But at the same time, 
if we're not careful, bad shit can happen. And some safety precautions need to be there. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Go create in peace and safety. Amen. I have to say that is some of the best advice I've ever heard in my career. Like everybody says, if you see something, say something, but immediately going straight to the top. Yeah. And also knowing when to walk away. That's so important. We all know this is a somewhat dangerous business. Like there's a certain amount of risk involved in making magic on screen. Mm -hmm. But when you see people being reckless or careless about people's safety, I mean, that's a huge red flag. Right. Which would, I mean, you would think should go without saying, but Apparently it doesn't. It needs to be said loud and clear and repeatedly that a TV show or a movie is not worth a human life. We can create great content and take care of each other. Absolutely. And while we were talking to this week's confessor, it just made me realize once again how important unions are in protecting workers, Mm -hmm. protecting safety and protecting our jobs. Yeah. And unions actually aren't the only organizations doing that. So our shout out this week goes to an initiative that was started in 2017 by New Mexico native Laura Dale. It's called Safe Sets. And I promise we did not know about it when we titled this episode. But it's a happy little coincidence. (laughs) The mission of the Safe Sets initiative is to make sets safe for everyone. Through education and outreach, they're working to establish industry-wide safety standards and gender-neutral harassment protections. That's right. Safe Sets focuses on guns and weapons, pyrotechnics, intimate scene safety, remote location safety, water scenes, animals, basically any of the issues that can arise in this crazy business we all love so much. So shout out to Laura Dale and Safe Sets for their work making Hollywood a happier place. And that's all we've got for you this time around. Thank you so much for listening. Hit us up online. Or on the line if you're out picketing. Yeah. Let us know at Fess Up Hollywood where you're going to be picketing or if you have a story to tell us. And give us a rating on the podcast app while you're at it. Spread the word. Coming up, we've got a crazy story about an agency's secret strike plan. Yeah, you don't want to miss this one. I don't want to miss it. (laughs) We'll talk to you next time, Faithful. The Hollywood Confessional is produced by Megan Dane and J.R. Zamorathal. Our cast for this episode, Austin Wyndham. John Lorenz. Special effects provided by Zapsplat and Pixabay. Hollywood Confessional is a Ninth Way Media production. Follow us on socials at FessUpHollywood.